Welcome to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. I'm Molly, a former skeptic turned full-time energy healer and teacher. And I'm Madison, a born and raised witch running my family's crystal shop. And we're here to explore all things woo through the lens of both science and spirituality so that you can find the moments of magic in your everyday life and create an intentional spiritual practice. So if that's what you're into, find a cozy spot, take a deep breath, and let's demystify some magic. Howdy doody friends. We have a very special guest today. We have someone that we were just, Madison and I were both just talking about. We feel like we have a parasocial relationship with this person because we're just absolutely obsessed with her podcast and her content and her Instagram. But we have Nike Aurea here. Nike is an educator and a consultant. You are, uh, you refer to yourself as an inclusion consultant, which I'm really excited to dive more into, but you are all about ensuring that spaces are safer and more inclusive with embedded harm reducing systems and structures to support communities. And also Nike has a fantastic podcast. It's called Catalyst, the Disruptor Era. We will link it in the show notes. If you like our podcast, you will like Nike's podcast. (laughs) So Nike, we're so excited that you're here. Yeah, thank you for having me on. <laughs> I'm really, really excited to have this conversation because Madison and I have kind of like dipped our dipped our toes into sort of talking about inclusivity in spiritual spaces. And it's definitely a topic that our community cares about deeply. And so to have an expert on that can really speak to that, I think is going to be just I'm I'm geeking out about it already. <laughs> oh yeah, I love talking about this stuff. So I'm so excited to be on here and chat through it and talk about all the nuance. Like that's my favorite thing to do ever. <laughs> yes, same. Amazing. Before we dive in though, so on our podcast, we start every episode by sharing our magic moment of the week. So this could be a moment where you see your spiritual practice kind of coming into your everyday life, a moment of like mini manifestation, a moment where maybe at one point in your life you would have gone totally off the rails, but your practice has kept you grounded. Do you have a magic moment you would like to share with us? I actually do. So I just released a podcast episode um, where I did a reflection of my 2023. And it was actually so interesting because earlier in the year, I spoke my life into existence. So I recorded an episode in January, 2023. And I was like, I am so grateful because I have this in my life and this in my life of things I wanted to create and manifest. And so then I did a reaction to it this week. And I was like listening through. And first of all, I forgot everything I said. Like I had yeah, but I forgot like specifics. Mm-hmm. And so as I was listening to each thing and I was live reacting, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I did that. And I did that wow. too. I said that I wanted to go to a music festival, which mm-hmm. I don't typically do. And like, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, I went to one in October. <gasps> and it was like, so like, I didn't sign up for it thinking like, oh, I'm going to yeah. check off the box that I had like it just happened so naturally and so I would recommend everyone do that or have a vision board or write down and then do a reflection because we really create so yeah. much and we don't give ourselves enough credit like I was like my year was actually really great <laughs> wow sometimes yeah I think Madison and I are gonna borrow that idea <laughs> for oh our God, podcast that's it. amazing it's great. And I'm just like live reacting to it on the podcast episode. I can't wait to listen to that. We will link that episode in the show notes specifically. Oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it really is magical. Like it just reminds me that like we are magical and yeah. I just think we don't give ourselves enough credit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we do the magic moments too, is like, once you start to notice it, then you start to look for it and then you start to see it. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny. We were actually just talking about how important reflection is Mm. at like the end of a year going into a new year. Mm -hmm. So that's so fun that that was your magic moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's like really grounding too. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we do like a moment of like, because I, especially me, like I have so many dreams and things I want to accomplish. So I, sometimes I'm like always in the future Mm -hmm. and I just need to be a little bit in the past too, like to have that recognition of like, okay, like this is where you started or before and like, this is where you want to go, but look at everything you accomplished. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. All right, let's dive in. So for those who might not know you, could you give a little bit of your background, like how you got started doing this work? And even like, could you give a definition? Like, what is your job description as an inclusion consultant? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I got into doing this. I always say my ancestors led me to do this work because. When oh, I, I love that. Started it um, like I was in the wellness, spiritual space. I got into it through podcasts, right? Like it was wow. like in 2018 where I was just like learning so much about myself and there was a lot of things going on so I decided to listen to this one podcast that one of my really good friends would recommend to me and then I heard someone on that podcast who then made their own podcast and I became really um a part of that community and I was just learning and growing and it actually started with doing goddess work Mm. where I was like connecting to goddesses and I learned like how a lot of energies are just like the same seed right Mm -hmm. um but like the stories might be different or similar and like how we really are connected, even though we come from different cultures, like we really are really connected because also a little backstory, but I'm West African. My parents are both born and raised in West Africa. And so like, I was hearing a lot of mythologies and like stories that were connecting to like Greek mythology or Roman Mm -hmm. mythology. And so I really discovered like, we really are really connected um, just the way and the perspectives and our lived experience kind of shape how we interpret things so I was doing that and then oh my gosh I hate talking about this but I always talk about it for transparency I decided to do divine feminine and masculine work and I really did it out of like a fear a fear-based place like Mm -hmm. I was trying to dim my spirituality in order to fit like some like evangelistic Christian Mm. thing so I wouldn't get judged in that way Mm -hmm. I still wanted to be woo woo yeah and through doing that like I did like the things I was saying weren't necessarily transphobic and um misogynistic but it was in the same vein right like every time I would Mm -hmm. say something back it up with like some nuance and I was just like well maybe this you just don't believe in it if you're changing the perspective yeah And so that's when I really like leaned into like, okay, like, why do I feel inclined to align with like a social system that I really don't believe in Mm -hmm. just because I want to be accepted or like seen as what I'm doing is acceptable. And so then that's when I really dived into ancestral healing. And then I feel like the ancestral healing pushed me into doing this work. Like I was doing a lot of ancestral healing and I was, I did an ancestral retreat and it was doing really, really well. And I feel like my ancestors were like, okay, like now that you have this strong connection, we're going to propel you to like doing 
some more ancestral work, but through like inclusion work. And actually mm. I have a huge line of ancestors who like, that's what they did. And they were really disruptive in systems. Mm. So basically that's how I got into like what I'm doing, which is like inclusion and equity work, um, especially for small businesses or communities. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, what is the inclusion work? Do you work with them one-on-one? Do you do like meetings? Like how, how does that work? (laughs) So far it's been folks who they may have a business and they have a community, right? Mm -hmm. So like maybe they do courses and so far what's been happening is like some type of harm arises and like they get called Mm -hmm. out or they get canceled or something along those lines happen. And so they just happen to find my page because I talk about that a lot. Yeah. Um, And they try to, so basically we work on like implementing systems within your business so that they're more equitable and you're thinking about equity in your business, Mm. implementing systems for like, if harm does arise, what can you do so that you're not scrambling in the moment Mm-hmm. Um, and like being careful with like your language, being careful with like digital blackface, for example, or mm. specific like harmful language that we take from like patriarchal, misogynist, like evangelistic language that like sometimes we we hear it and we don't realize like what it really means. And then we're just saying it yeah. in a spiritual space. So it's kind of like that. I'm like prompting people to think about their community and community building Mm -hmm. um, before anything traumatizing happens yeah in their space or to them because I've had clients too who are like something happens that's traumatizing to them Mm -hmm. and then it's hard to like lead a community when you're like navigating your own trauma too within that space so yeah so far it's been folks like something has to happen and they book with me yeah not everyone but for like my one-to-ones um and really what I'm trying to encourage is like okay you want to build community that's a skill like community building is a skill thinking about equity and like how to make sure everyone in your space understands your mission and understands your capacity and what you can offer them is a Mm -hmm. skill so Yeah, it's very nuanced. I don't see anyone else do it. So it's kind of hard yeah. to yeah. explain, but yeah. That's so interesting. I hadn't considered like someone in that reactive place, like after something happens mm. coming. What is that like to work with people who might be in that sort of like almost defensive reactive space? It's one of my favorite things to do. Not that they're traumatized, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like walk people through it. Because also my background is, and I still do this, I'm a special education teacher. So like mm. I did my master's in education, specialized education. And through that, like, especially like in the education space right now, the emphasis is on creating safer spaces for students and all kids. And you learn that like children cannot learn if they feel unsafe and if yeah. they don't feel seen and if they feel neglected, it's hard for them to acquire new information. Mm-hmm. And then I work with kids all day. So like I kind of learn and I work with neurodivergent kids all day mm-hmm. who are not fitting like the neurotypical space or like, I don't want them to fit that. Right. Because yeah. they have a neurotype. And so I've just learned like, well, number one, how it's, how important it is, but also how, the root of harm is just misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so 
to kind of like validate other people when they do feel reactive is one of my favorite parts because I feel like a lot of people don't give themselves that same validation right of like the root of the harm that was caused wasn't even necessarily it's usually never intentional it's usually never stated it's because there's misunderstanding or something is misinformed and if you bring clarity to your spaces the less harm will happen so that's what we learn in education too like when we tell students expectations of the space the less that they're able to fuck up basically yeah yeah and then you're yelling at them that they're fucking up then it's going to create more harm and tension really Mm -hmm. uneasy feelings and so we're just all big kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) applying what I do in that to like adult spaces because we don't have that right now I love that as a translation of skills of we're all just big kids and (laughs) we all just need a really good teacher It's so true. And I love that you talked about like this misunderstanding because I feel like you mentioned before language is such a big part of your work. And, um, and I think it's, it's so interesting. My background's in working with, um, survivors of sexual violence. So I did nine years of like trauma informed training and work and language is such, it's such a huge and powerful tool in that work too. And so I see like the overlaps in inclusion work, kind of like thinking of words and their origins that like most people just say and just mm-hmm. spout off and they don't even think about. Um, and that's actually, uh, we were talking about this before we hit record, but your episode on your podcast about star seeds is the reason why I'm obsessed with you because for the longest time, the term star seed has kind of given me the ick, but I didn't really know why. And then when I listened to your podcast and heard kind of the background of, you know, it has very Aryan roots and is very, um, you know, othering and um, kind of pits some people as more equal than others. Um, Mm -hmm. All of those things are things that I was like, oh yeah, that's why I have the ick. And now I need to tell everyone to listen to this podcast episode. (laughs) Um, Can you talk more about that or like how your work impacts your view of spirituality and your spiritual practices? Because I know you weave that into the work that you do in the podcast and everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When I first entered the spiritual space, like I was so excited and there were a lot of concepts that really resonated with me, but then there Mm -hmm. were a lot of that didn't. And I was just like, this is just replicating racism yeah, (laughs) or like anti-blackness. And I Mm -hmm. didn't quite understand why other people couldn't see it, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't a primary white space. There Mm -hmm. were a couple people of color, but, um, not as much. And then like, I did realize that there are a lot of other spiritual spaces that are like just black women or indigenous women right and there's not a lot of intersectionality and Mm. I get why because yeah people are like repeating things in a different font but it's like the same message that you've heard all your life you don't really want to be in that space Mm -hmm. I really value diversity and intersectionality so I was like okay I want to find solace in the spaces that get me but I also want to bring awareness in these other spaces too because it's just like a lack of awareness sometimes Mm -hmm. and so yeah like I just started here like I always despise when people would call me a light worker because number one I'm a Scorpio rising so like (laughs) (laughs) like ah like I love the darkness it's fine (laughs) Um, and also like I'm not light right like it just triggered something in me like I have brown skin, brown eyes. 
I am very like earthbound. Like if I'm in a bad mood, I hate when someone tells me something positive first, like for <laughs> my dark mood and very yeah. close to the positivity. Right. And so like, I knew people were using it as a compliment. However, it wasn't a compliment to me. And I was yeah. like, just like thinking of like okay like I'm seeing all these pictures of light workers and they're like light skin blonde hair and like we're talking about ETs and they're light skin blonde hair or they're blue skin blonde hair Mm. and I was just like it's just replicating a similar system that I have been a part of my whole life yeah the spiritual space is supposed to be free of that but it's technically not Mm. so because I was witnessing that and I would like have conversations with folks about it and they would tell me like oh I really never saw it that way like like I wasn't thinking of like oh if I say this it's meaning this yeah and so it just made me really analyze the language that I was using and also became kind of a way for me to protect myself from entering spaces that were using similar language Mm-hmm. because they probably hadn't done the work and that means that they're not really making sure that their spaces are safer in other ways right like because your yeah. language is I say that the language is kind of the gateway right to your space because it's like your messaging mm-hmm. and so like if you're not really intentional with your language then I already know that your space is probably not going to be the space that aligns with whatever I want right yeah the language has to be perfect but you I can just tell I don't know if it's like yeah. a tuna thing or like a trauma thing <laughs> I can just kind of tell like specific language that people use and there's, there's some spaces that I've seen or folks that I've seen that use specific language that I'm like oh that's a red flag for me but the way that they use it is different where I know it's not going to be harmful mm. Like, yeah, it's just, a, it's a thing. And I think everyone though develops that intuitive knowingness. Yeah. Realize it. Can you t- share some of those red flag languages? I'm like, well, should I pull up my website and make sure I have a set <laughs> I <know. out?" laughs> I'm immediately like running through. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like anytime someone says like, um, spirit animal, mm. that's kind of a red flag for me. Cause I'm like, oh, indigenous people are like, if depending like how you have formulated your FYP or your algorithm or your social medias. Yeah. But indigenous people are everywhere on my timeline. And so Mm -hmm. like they have said the same thing repeatedly so much. So I'm just like, "Mm, that means also maybe you're not diversifying your content if someone doesn't know certain things. So like, yeah, like spirit animal, totem pole. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Totem pole. Um, any depiction that's really anti-Semitic, like any dog whistles, up leveling, because that's mm-hmm. very evangelistic, or I mean, less like 3D, 5D. I get what people are saying, but sometimes I'm like, mm, I don't know which space you're going to be. Like, are you gonna be in yeah. the light? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a yellow flag. <laughs> yeah, it's like a yellow flag. Like I get what you were trying to say, but then I'm also yeah. like it's a penalty oh. card. <laughs> yeah. 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 When people like call their tribes, because like mm. I actually have tribes. And so I'm just mm. like, I don't know what y'all are what y'all are actually specifically saying. And there's like a lot of trauma around tribes. It's like yeah. mm-hmm. so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. So things like that, right? And it's just like standard language and people might yeah. be listening to this and say like I use that all the time oh my gosh and it's not to say like 
you inherently doing something really bad, but it also shows that maybe you haven't looked into the terms that you have readily accepted using your vocabulary. Yeah. I think we should always do that. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel like I'm I'm learning a new term all the time that I'm like, hey, take that one out of the vocabulary. And I think it's it's so interesting because it's so easy to go to that like reactionary place of like, I'm bad, I'm terrible, I'm horrible. Like I've used this term, blah, blah, blah. But like, there's also this opportunity to just like step back and come into a place of curiosity and be like, hmm, where did this term come from? Why is it in my vocabulary? And like, what could I use instead? Yeah, exactly. Like I just did, this is kind of a tangent, but I just did a neurodiversity workshop at my district. And I knew like you for um autistic folk, like using on the spectrum, like isn't necessarily like the best thing to do, right? Mm. And like I knew some reasoning behind it. And then someone actually raised their hand. They're like, I'm Jewish. And actually that term is really help- harmful too, because that was determining like who would make it, who would not oh. based on how their autism presented. Mm. So like when we say like, oh, they're like higher on the spectrum or low on the spectrum, we yeah. are replicating that language and like that ableism and I was just like oh my gosh like I knew why I didn't like it yeah to vocalize it I shared it anyway and then like I got clarity from someone who actually has a lived experience and yeah. understands the nuance and so like I think that's really important too like it's not necessarily that you're always going to have a standout answer of like oh why I don't like to use that term but the more that you kind of are forthcoming with it or you're curious around it and maybe you're asking mm-hmm. others, they might bring that knowledge and like that understanding. Yeah. It's like that starseed term, right? Mm-hmm. Like I remember Madison and I having a conversation being like, this gives me the ick and I don't know why. And then like your podcast just fell into my lap and I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, don't be afraid to do that. I always tell folks like, if yeah. somebody's like, oh, I don't like it. Even if like 10 hundred people are using it and you're the one mm-hmm. out of 10 hundred people, that's not a number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a number here on Demystify Magic, Maggie. You're good. <laughs> yeah, don't like just conform to what they're doing because most people are just conforming and they don't even yeah. have why. So yeah. I love that piece of advice too. Like talk about something when it's feeling like that's something that I see a lot. So I have a metaphysical store. It's my family business. And I see that all the time of people come in and have this sense of shame, especially mm-hmm. like around things like white, white sage. Um, people will ask why we don't have it or we'll be looking to see like what to do with it. And we'll have this sense of like, if they purchased white sage in the past and will ask us why we don't have it or we'll be looking for it and, you know, we'll give a little bit of context. And it's instantly this like, oh God, I've done something I wasn't supposed to do. Like, what does this mean about me? So I love that like sunlight really is the best disinfectant of like just talking about it and having that curious mindset is the best way for us all to do better and be better. Any other pieces of advice that you might have for someone who is trying to build a spiritual practice, but is worried about that like unintentional harm Yeah. Well, like, yeah, guilt and shame are the worst and it's a pillar of white supremacy culture. So the way that it's been used is intended to make us feel like we can't do better and that like Mm. terrible people. And it keeps us like locked into this 
space where it's hard to get out and so then it's harder to like question things or to because then you don't want to question it because you're like oh my goodness what else am I doing wrong and like it's like a very it's a mindset that like is so constricting because it's been embedded especially in western culture it's been embedded in Mm. so much and so I would really invite anytime you have feelings of guilt or shame arising I would really invite it in and say like, what is it trying to show me instead of like, what is it trying to keep me away from? Mm. Right? Like, because the feeling is there for a reason, but it doesn't always have to be bad. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I deeply am ashamed of my divine feminine era. But (laughs) I also like talk about it to make people know that it's okay. Like, that happened, right? What are you doing now to address it? what how have you changed from it what have you learned from it it's okay and I really don't hold like I'm ashamed of it but I don't hold like deep bedded shame and guilt around it because like it was a product of my environment it was out of fear right it was something that was harmful but I'm trying to shift and like how I approach things now and so yeah like kind of invite guilt and shame in instead of like trying to keep it out when it comes to like these really important moments that can lead to growth and better understanding. Hmm. I love that. I feel like we try to embed that messaging throughout our content too. We're always like, go with what feels right and mm-hmm. discover like why it feels that way. Um, and I always like to say that like when you're experiencing guilt and shame and it's like in the context of trying to do better, And especially in the context of like inclusivity, a lot of times the guilt and shame that we feel just supports the oppressors and the the people who create that oppression because that's what they want. They want you to shut down, shut up, shut, shut. They want you to shut up and sit down. (laughs) A hundred percent. Like white supremacy culture harms all of us. It's a small percentage of folks. And so that's a huge pillar. And that's why like all these social systems keep chugging along. Yeah. Like, happening, so. That's why you're the disruptor. They're trying to be, <laughs> everyone's a disruptor too. Like everyone has it in them. I love that. So we talked a little bit about red flags and mm-hmm. yellow flags. What are some green flags? Cause a lot of our folks listening to the podcast, they're newer in their spiritual journey and they're looking for resources that they can trust. What are some green flags that they can look for? Like you said, you know, if you see that on someone's website or in their social media that goes like, oh, they've, they've done the work. Yeah. Um, some green flags are surface level and they have a lot of criticism on them, but I still think that like, they're good, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So like one okay. example is land acknowledgement. Mm whatever's indigenous land you're on to me that's kind of a green flag because it means that you probably like your timeline or your social media is probably a little bit diversified because most people only do that if like they if they have some sort of indigenous influence on it Mm. on their social media so for me that's like a green flag I remember I like was a part of a circle and um the town I just moved from that was like a little bit more conservative and like I was like I don't know like I haven't done an in-person circle since uh the pandemic quarantine and the first thing that she did was like a land acknowledgement and I was like okay like I'm mm. gonna be safe in the space I'm gonna be okay yeah so, like things like that um or just any type of acknowledgement when I see folks like they um 
not co-op because maybe there's a fine line but like they shout out other people of color in the spiritual space and the wellness space they collaborate with them when their feed is pretty diverse too of like imaging when their language is inclusive like in terms of like pronouns um when things aren't like specifically gendered right Mm -hmm. like women are just really good at this yeah <laughs> like okay well I can't everyone be good at this. yeah um, yeah yeah and I always say too because I think this is a question I get a lot like where folks are like yeah I want to make sure that people know that like I don't mean to offend them or whatever it may be it's such a vibe like you can you can sense yeah. like I can really sense when someone is genuine Versus like when maybe they're just trying to put up green flags, but they're not mm. genuine. Like mm-hmm. I just myself can really tell. Um, so I always say like the intention too, like that you're putting up is really important. If someone's not engaging in digital blackface, which is actually such a big thing. What What is that? Because oh, like, I feel like I have an idea of what it could be, but I've never heard the term before. Yeah, digital blackface is like when folks use like black imaging, like memes or like um, emojis. Oh, in their social media, and they're not black. Oh, like I even saw someone do this recently, where like she is not black, but she uses a black hand emoji, and I'm just like, I don't mm. know if you're thinking like it's making her seem more like inclusive like there's a time and place to do it right like if I'm doing a workshop and I want a picture I want to put a picture of a circle Mm -hmm. like having different people from different backgrounds in that picture okay diversity but if I was like just throwing up white thumbnails like hand thumbnails yeah (laughs) that's a whole different thing yeah (laughs) there's different ways to show that you're diverse yeah Um, I even think like indigenous coding so like some folks will use like emojis or just like their nuanced background to make it seem like they're not culturally appropriating like but they might be oh like, yeah I like that's an excuse yeah I had a conversation with someone who wanted to work with me and I turned them down because they're like and you know like I'm also black and I'm like okay like black looks so different but like they were trying to justify it of like I'm 3.5 African like in my DNA and like they didn't have any connection to black culture like it wasn't like a parent was black or yeah one thing right like I'm two percent Portuguese it would be I people would look at me strangely if I was like <laughs> I really identify with my white culture so, so <laughs> do that with like people of color culture yeah and I think it's sometimes to prove something or to feel like they're a part of something so they can, they can do an activity and it's just never that deep. But yeah, it does happen. Or just like memes too. Like if I see some people use like a lot of black memes of like just black celebrities or like if they're trying to show attitude and they do like a stereotype, a stereotypical mm. like, it's like you wouldn't do that in real life. So why are you doing it on your social media? Yeah, of? yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I remember when there was a bunch of memes after Rihanna was on the Super Bowl and I was seeing like a lot of people I follow in spiritual spaces using it and like a lot of white creators. And I was like, oh, yeah, something about this gives me the ick and I don't know what it is because they weren't like mean memes. But I was like, something about this feels weird. 
Yeah. And when I have something like that and I'm like, okay, is this because it's like, I really feel weird about it or is it something else? I'm always like, okay, if I were to do it, would people be side eyeing me? Because I feel like it's also a thing that's just like, okay, readily accepted. Even if it's readily accepted, doesn't mean it's right. Mm. Right. So like, I don't really use like Taylor Swift memes you know Mm -hmm. because it just doesn't make sense (laughs) yeah yeah oh that's so interesting right so like when people are using like all these other like yeah they might be popular but if it doesn't align with like who I actually am then I'm not going to use it yeah that's so interesting and like if we dig deeper on that it's like we make memes as a form of connection to people, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's why people share them. That's why people love them is because like you're resonating with the message on it. So it's like, if you're sharing a meme that doesn't connect to you, it's like, can you actually create that connection? Or is it more just like you're trying to get clicks? I don't know. That's where my brain goes. Mm -hmm. It's usually like for like a trend thing. Yeah. Well, if it doesn't actually make sense. It's not like authentic. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. It's interesting how the internet has created all of these new like avenues almost for things like this to come to light. Like mm-hmm. all these new ways to be racist. Like I don't know another way to say <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. Like digital blackface. If you had said that, you know, 20 years ago, it would be like, what are you talking? Like, you know, yeah. yeah. Emojis, talking about emojis in inclusion. It's just such an interesting avenue and such a such an interesting thing to learn about and talk about yeah definitely and I don't know have y'all ever seen that meme this might be black twitter but or not meme but it was like situation where and I see this on tiktok all the time where like someone will say something especially I've only seen it was like regards to black blackness right like someone might make a video about like this thing is really racist and then I'll see comments are like I'm black and I didn't get offended and there was like something that happened where this guy he would do on Twitter, right? And so he had a separate account and he put like someone, he put a black person as his picture and he would use black emojis and he would always say that, right? Like, well, mm-hmm. I'm black and I didn't get offended by this. But once he tweeted it from his own account and it was just like this white man, <laughs> things like that happen all the time to kind of like justify something or like, yeah, like if a black person says, it's okay then it should be okay people like to do that all the time on the internet it's so weird and it's like starting to get in the habit of like well even if someone is a part of that group and they're not offended by it that has nothing to do with like the person who's saying they might be offended right because you don't know what that person's going through maybe they have deep-seated (laughs) self-hatred they feel like if they don't if they say it's okay that they'll still have their community like you don't know where they live you don't know who's around them like right so that shouldn't justify it but people think it does and it's just like so weird like yeah yeah I didn't see that guy but I I did see it was like somebody bringing something from like back in the day on like early tumblr where Mm -hmm. someone a girl had pretended to be trans and I think maybe even raised money Oh my god. Or something. I don't remember the specifics, but I remember like I saw the account and recognized the account name of like I had followed this person like 10 years ago on Tumblr. I can't, like it shouldn't surprise me that it goes across all kinds of communities, but I was floored seeing just one person. I can't imagine like 
how many people are doing it. Yeah, there's probably so many people who are doing that because you can just be anyone on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because like we've done episodes where we've talked about like cultural appropriation and spirituality and, you know, the white sage in particular comes up often. And um, anytime I make a post about it, I always have people that are like, well, it doesn't offend me. But my my motto is always like, okay, if there's a hundred people in a room and three people are offended, why would you continue to do the thing? Like why? There's other options. Like if there's a word that you're using that isn't inclusive to even a small sliver of the population and there's an alternative word, why are we continuing to do the thing that causes harm for even one person? You know, like it just doesn't, I don't know. It baffles me. Yeah. And I think usually people who say that, even if they're part of the community, right, they don't understand the history. Yeah. Like, they don't actually understand why. They're like thinking like, oh, it's because like the white sage, for example. Yeah. It's because indigenous people don't want other people to use that. They're gatekeeping. It's like, no, like indigenous people in the United States were not United States and Canada, actually, because Canada always gets a pass. We're not able, they were it was illegal for them to practice their indigenous spirituality until the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. were banned from actually practicing their culture mm-hmm. and they were harmed in the meanwhile too. So yeah, they're like, yeah, please don't use it because also like the, the wreck that capitalism has done mm-hmm. to harvesting that there's so many other herbs right no like there's so many other things you could do so like it's okay like i burnt eucalyptus yeah i love eucalyptus <laughs> mm-hmm. that's yeah. my fave and i think of it as like contributing to a system right so it's not it's less about like oh my gosh i can't burn this herb it's like oh my gosh i refuse to contribute to a system of harm yes mm-hmm. yes exactly and it's like baffling to me because like i don't know this might be just like me but it just baffles me when people are like oh but they sell it at like urban outfitters so now it's fine but it's like if you were you know an indigenous person wanting to use white sage you know just a couple of decades ago it wasn't in urban outfitters and you were like either imprisoned or worse (laughs) for using it so it's like now that white people can use it anyone can use it like that doesn't seem right yeah and also so weird to buy those things it's so weird yeah <laughs> it's very weird it's and it's also like it's just a weird vibe like even i love do y'all know the store because i know you're on east coast mm-hmm. i'm from east coast too but um do y'all know the store five and below yeah yes yeah okay yes, like i love five and below it's such a fun store but like they sell like sometimes crystals and like yeah like stage and stuff and I'm like mm, the vibe is off. Yes. yeah the vibe is weird <laughs> my yeah. mom and I were in a five below actually a couple days ago and she had never been in one before and so we found the little like crystal like the little spiritual section and it's like these boxes of crystals that like are very clearly dyed bright pink and yeah. they're all like thrown around in their box and like this white sage is shedding all over the place it's like this is just not I don't even want to know where that's coming from. Yeah, it's like not good vibes. Like if you're buying your sage from Urban Outfitters, like you are the bad energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's no cleansing that can be done here. Yeah, especially since like you could go to the Dollar Tree and get like 
a packet of cinnamon sticks and burn those instead or like yeah. a bay leaf or like rosemary or like, you know, like there's so many other options or just get a bell, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. some sound plans. Just yell really loudly. That's what I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And people are missing out though. Like they're actually missing out because like the stubbornness too of like, no, I'm going to still burn my white sage. Okay. Well, like you could burn something else and like get what you're trying to get much more quicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think so much of like spirituality that we forget because we're wrapped up in capitalism is like the goal of your spiritual practice is to connect with your authentic self and our authentic selves are not racist assholes. So like, is the white sage actually accomplishing what we think it is? Or is it bringing us further away from our goal in our practice? Mm -hmm, Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the reason why people use white sage too, is that usually that's the first thing that was introduced to them. Yeah. spiritual space and it's the most accessible right you can buy it at urban outfitters the dollar tree like it's everywhere yeah but i've had people who like i have a conversation with them and they're like this fact about spirituality and i'm like okay that's interesting and like where did you hear that and they're like well my first mentor told me this and i'm like hmm like do you believe that or is it just because the first person that you met when you enter the spiritual space told you that and you took it as fact like Mm -hmm. that concerns me sometimes because there's some things like I don't know it's on TikTok if you remember the lady who said the moon was evil no what no (laughs) I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh at that no I was not I need I didn't know what was coming out of your mouth and that was not anywhere close to to what I could expect I, I need, need to immediately. Find her again. I think I blocked her, but like <laughs> she made so many videos. I could probably find her and send it to you. But she made so many videos Please. about like how the moon is evil, how um there are ETs, and she was being very anti-black because she was depicting the ETs as a black people. How those are the moon oh. ETs, and the moon takes all our energies. And that's why what? she doesn't do moon circles and she doesn't even acknowledge the moon, like when it's in the sky. I was so are but imagine if you're introduced like you're going through a yeah hard, you're very vulnerable everything in your life is like really hard and you, you this this is the first person you see and you're in the in your spiritual journey and you're like yeah the moon is the one that's fucking taking all my energy I'm sorry, i don't know if i can curse yeah please you can please do <laughs> taking my energy you're gonna yeah this is the moon it's the moon and wow so convincing she like lives in costa rica or something she calls herself like mama something but oh yeah oh my god it's wow like we can't believe these things i need to see this content i hear that a lot because i teach reiki and a lot of times i'll get like people who have been told like reiki's the devil reiki invites demons in and one of the things that i always like to like help people see is is when Reiki came over to the United States, it was during World War II and it's a Japanese practice and there was literal fear campaigns created by the U.S. government and military to create fear around Japanese culture and practices. And so if we trace the origin of like some of these rumors, we're going to find those threads. <laughs> and so it's important to like have the context of of that history. But like for me, when I went through my first Reiki training, I never learned any of that. I didn't learn that history until I started teaching Reiki and created my own timeline. I was like, wait a second, was Pearl Harbor right around now? And like went down my own rabbit hole that I've 
rarely see people talk about, but it's so interesting how that can change like the whole frame of how we talk about the practice and some of the rumors that get spread around practices. And I'm sure there's threads of that, like in all areas of spirituality as well. Yeah. And there's no way to regulate. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it even more like, like you can call yourself anything Mm-hmm. Uh, like I call myself a consultant I don't have like a specific <laughs> or anything right and like you just hope that well that's why you have to like know like really see people's spaces yeah and understand like who they are because like there's some amazing coaches like it's a fine line right of like okay yeah like these systems of like like education in order to prove like if you're an expert or whatever is very is not accessible to everyone and can be very gatekeepy. But then mm-hmm. also like it's important to have integrity and like, yeah, like actually know what you're talking about before you're like right. charging thousands of dollars for people to do something. Like it's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is really a double-edged sword there of the lack of regulation gives access to so many people and also gives access to so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like and it's it's hard to you have to do a lot of your own weeding out if you are looking for that. I think that's why the coaching industry has such a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually too why I switched from coaching. Like I used to say coach mm-hmm. and I just said consultant because of the reputation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but especially during the pandemic, like everyone wanted to do it. And mm-hmm. even like those regulations or like coaching certifications don't necessarily mean that someone is equipped yeah. to do Mm -hmm. so interesting that's a rabbit hole we could dive down in and of itself but nike this was so fun this was so informative i feel like i could sit here and talk to you for hours but before we before we let you go will you please plug your shit like tell people how they can find you how they can work with you talk yourself up we'll leave all the stuff in the show notes but where can people find more about you yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's Nike Aurea, N-I-K-E-A-U-R-E-A. My TikTok's also the same, but honestly, I'm really silly on TikTok now because <laughs> well, TikTok is only TikTok shop right now. And I'm like, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my website is also NikeOrea.com. Um, and yeah, I have a podcast called Catalyst Disruptor Era. It's in a new era where I talk all about disrupting because I think we're all disruptors. And I just released a quiz about finding out which type of disruptor you are. And basically disruption to me too just means like the way that you change systems or spaces or break mm. generational cycles or whatever it may be like we're not all meant to advocate or disrupt in the same way and I think people get really stuck on that and they're like well if I'm not doing this that means I'm not a good ally or I'm Mm. not advocating and that's not true so I have a quiz if you're interested to figure out which type of disruptor you are and how you like to disrupt because we all do in our own ways I love that I love that like you're just like the embodiment of the work that you do, because just in that, having that quiz shows like that inclusivity element. Like, like you said, not everyone's an advocate. Not everyone's like, you know, like me and Madison comfortable with microphones in front of our face, but that doesn't mean that you can't be included in this era that you're creating. I love that. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Like us to really change things. We all need to be included. 
Yeah. It doesn't work if it's exclusive. It just creates, it just replicates the system over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah. How you do anything is how you do everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you could weasel yourself into the minds of everyone on the planet and plant one thing that you teach people, what would you hope that audio track would play? The first thing that comes to mind is that you deserve safety. Mm. Because if you don't feel like you deserve to be safe, then you won't think other people do. So you do deserve to be safe. You deserve the world. You deserve to be acknowledged and supported and a part of a community that cares about you. Like you deserve that. Mm. That is such a tender answer. I love that. It's (laughs) such a beautiful answer to end on. I know. I'm going to clip that. Thank you so much, Nike. This has been so much fun. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, friends. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. If you want to learn more about us, you can find all our links in the show notes. We'd love to know what you think of today's episode. So drop us a review or give us a shout out on social media. And don't forget to let us know your magical moment of the week. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye.